Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for November 2nd of 2014. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And this past weekend in the NHL, the new Department of Player Safety, uh, they were probably kicking back, relaxing, enjoying life, and there was probably a big alarm bell that went off because uh, tons of suspensions. And um, at Hockey Hurts, we have our own suspension system, and it usually is a lot harsher than that of the actual NHL, and, and Cameron does a lot with that. So what, what were some of your thoughts about the suspensions? Um, I think it just shows you the season's on now. This weekend is just a prime example of, you know how the intensity level picks up as the year goes on? Well, this is the first ramp up, and you can see players are getting frustrated with poor play, um, and they're just more aggressive to, towards what they're doing. I mean, you have a look at the decision to have a talk to um, Andrew Ference for the hit on Zach Cassian. That was just a frustrated hit by Ference. He had no need to do what he did, and that just comes from from frustration. And it's one of those things where, like I wrote in, in my last article, that's his third... If he gets suspended there, that's his third suspendable hit that he's gone under. And everyone's going, oh, you know, we're expecting him to get, you know, six or seven games and stuff like that. That's still not going to stop Ference from making that hit. And there's a very good chance that they won't go to seven games because anything above five and an independent arbitrator can come in and have a look at the results. So they're probably just going to ping him for five because it's the, it's the easiest thing to do. I mean, it, it, you've, got the, you've got that hit we just discussed. Um, we had the Burroughs hit just before that um, a couple of days ago. So that was, what, Wednesday or, or Thursday, I think. Uh, Jordan Nolan got two games for checking from behind. That was a blatant checking from behind. Um, Helm had no idea he was there and had no right to expect to be hit from there. Um, you've also got Volchenkov just being ridiculously clumsy with his forearm um, in that hit uh, against the Flames. And there's uh, the Brooks Orr pick on Nemeskin. Oh, I can't say that guy's name. The Tampa Bay Lightning Russian kid. Oh, okay. I'm not going to attempt that one either. Thank you very much. So that hit from Orpik's probably the one that I don't actually expect a suspension to come out of, whether they've made a determination of it or not, because Valeri, that's his name, that'll do me. Um, Name Sneak Sneaknov? Nemestikov. Oh, okay. It's close. Yeah. It's close. Um, he, he turned at the last minute. And that's, that's what made that check worse. If Nemesnikov had have stayed where he was with his body, Orpik would have absolutely crunched him into the boards, but it would have been shoulder-to-shoulder, hip-on-hip. Instead, he's, um, he's turned, and that's what's made that one a bit iffy for me in regards to that. I still, the latest article that I just put up, I still put it in there um, in regards to if it's declared that Orpik's the one with responsibility in that situation in regards to delivering a safe hit, and the player that moved doesn't influence that. Um, Orpik finally gets suspended for a hit. His entire time in Pittsburgh, he managed to walk the line and get away with not getting hit. It's it's unbelievable how he plays, how he's managed to walk away with, with no suspensions through his career. Um, the only one I the- recall was Eric Cole when he hit him from behind. Um that's probably the one I remember the most that he should have probably got. Yeah, I, I agree. And there have been certain situations where he's, he's, he's 
I think he needs Stepan at one stage as well. Very suspendable idea. They just decided not to. So it's it shows you how you've got guys like Orpik that walk the line and have done some considerable <laughs> physical harm to players, but have managed to stay on the good side of the wall. It's it's just the the way they go about it. I don't think the Department of Player Safety is suspending players for the right reason. I don't think it's worked out why it's doing it. I think it needs to understand that you suspend players not to just take money off them, but you suspend them so that they change their behaviour on the ice. You know, you get you get pulled over for drink driving, you lose your licence, you get your licence suspended for six to eight months. The idea being that it has such a negative detrimental effect on your life that you don't go and do it again. You know, the bonus of you not doing it again is that you don't, drive a car and kill someone while you're drinking. It's the same it's the same inference here with these suspensions. You you shouldn't you shouldn't be allowed to just walk back on the on the ice without thinking, geez, I need to change what I do. I mean, really lucky with Helm that that wasn't worse than what it was. And they even said in the video that because there's no injury on the play, Nolan, you know, gets away with, with a couple games less. It's the act, not the action that's the problem. The result doesn't, shouldn't matter what happens in that situation. It's the same with, with Orpik. I have a feeling that if Nemesnikov hadn't have got up, Orpik would be having a hearing. But because he got up and skated away, oh no, that's all right, not a problem. So they're still they're still suspending on the result of the play, not what the actual play is. Yeah, and that's why players are willing to take the chance when they initiate contact and try to bury these players when they're making their checks because, you know, they're flipping a coin. Eh, if the guy doesn't get hurt, I'm okay. Correct. Um, yep. If if they were judged identical to if the player got up or if, you know, God forbid someone was paralyzed and it was the same punishment based on the act itself, then we wouldn't find ourselves in this many situations where you're writing multiple suspension articles every weekend when there's a full slate of games. Um, it's just, look, you're going to get suspendable hits. Players are going to make errors. Like, I don't think Volchenkov had any intent to hurt um, Furland in his, in his hit, and I, I say that in the article. He, he just he gets out of position and he gets clumsy, and that's, that's his problem. The problem you, that I have is that Volchenkov hits like that all the time. He injures players because he's clumsy. So he either has to stop hitting players, which means he wouldn't have a job in the league, or he has to learn to hit with better hitting technique. Because I put him down, I put him down as as um, he was looking for puck separation with his hitting intent. He wasn't looking to hurt or injure Ferlin. He just wanted to separate him from the puck and got himself out of position, and, and that's why his arms came up. Got him flush, got him full in the head with his elbow slash forearm, and it was extended away from his body. So if you have a look at it in that regards, he starts racking up points before he's even considered a repeat offender in that situation. If you take away him being a repeat offender and that was his first hit, that's still nine games he misses. Given the fact that it's his third suspension, that's 37 games he misses due to the multiplier effect that we have. Yeah. So... You just, I just get there with it and I just go, he's had no reason. Volchenko's been in the league for how long now? He's had no reason to change the way he plays over those previous two suspensions. Well, I guess the thing with that is, 
not not to pick on Volchenkov specifically. He's certainly not the only one. But may, maybe well, we don't need clumsy defensemen in the league anymore. You know. Hopefully, well, we, we move away from that. Doug, Mur- Doug rules- Murray's out of a job. Yeah, but that, yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose they are very similar in regards to the, the skill sets that they bring along. That's a good point. So we'll see. It will take a little bit more time, but it'll also take the Department of Player Safety giving out harsher punishment so that teams will act on it too. Um, no team wants yeah. to be on the hook for uh, cap hits for suspensions. No, that's exactly right, and, and it's it's the it's the thing that sort of ticks me off about it is that the salary cap's perfect for for punishing teams that are good who end up with injuries. You know, the Boston Bruins. What's happened to Boston sucks, but that's a salary cap system being punitive against a team for success. The thing with suspensions is that there's no punitive behaviour for bad. There's no punitive lashback for bad behaviour. And that's if they did that with this. If use Ferentz for for an example, if he got fifteen games because it's his third head, it's his third suspension, and both of them were for quote unquote dirty hits, and they gave him fifteen games for that, you get there and go, holy smokes, you know, that's a hell of a lot of cap space sitting there that the Oilers don't have access to, and they've just lost Hall as well due to an, an MCL strain. So. Suspensions can be a, a really good way to get players to change their actions and get teams to change who they look at for their roster. I think even a better example is John Moore, who has done two egregious hits in twelve span of 12 games played. And like you mentioned earlier, they, they did the five-game suspension to avoid that, I believe, to avoid that independent arbitrator. Yeah. They just yeah, took the yeah, lazy yeah. way out. That guy should be gone for how many did you have him for? Oh, it was 26 or something like that, I think. It was a quarter of the season. It was substantial. And that's because he's got a past. He's got a history. And that's how it should be. And John Moore, that... let's see here, he makes $850,000. Do you really think he wants to lose out on, 100%. you know, $210,000, $215,000? Yeah, for and making that, that hit. That's, no, but there you go. That yeah, the punishment that's, will affect players' behavior on the ice, but it's not the case right now. I mean, the argument you've got against the repeat offender history thing here, and Jordan Nolan's a perfect example of that. His repeat offender status is just one prior suspension, and that was for something that wasn't hitting related. It was to do with the fact that he punched an unsuspecting opponent. So I suppose you can look at it and go, this is similar in regards to the attitude of what he was doing, hitting someone that was defenseless. Um, yeah, but if he but knows he's going to get punished severely, I, he, he will probably change his decision-making well, process during that. That's that's the argument you can make, though, is that with, with Nolan's suspension, like I originally gave him 18 games for it because it was his second offence, but if you get there and you roll it back and go, okay, so the first offence he had has nothing to do with the checking from behind incident. You just take it purely as a one-off checking from behind. So it's his first offence. He still gets suspended eight games. He still misses eight games. According to our system. Yeah, yeah correct. And, and so you get there with it and you go, I can probably deal with that. I mean, how he, he 
I know, well, you can't say you know, but when he skated in, it was numbers and numbers only, and Helm had no idea he was back there. So you can make the argument that Nolan went in there with the full intent to injure him because he's checking him from behind, knowing that he's got no idea that he's coming. So there's plenty of different ways you can view it for those checking from behind hits. Yeah. That, Let's well, move on. That's, Let's move that's on. clearly how we feel about it. I know some people are a little <laughs> skeptical of how strict our system is, but our, our, our system is in place to be um, two different things. Subject, or, sorry, objective, so that um, injury, player injury and player status don't come into it. So if a star player makes a terrible hit, he's held by the same accountability by our rubric than a fourth-line plug. And the other thing is taking injury out of it so that there can be consistency in the punishments. So I think our system's looking to be consistent and fair with taking sub subjectivity out of it. But it, is, but it is harsh. But the point oh, is yeah. to deter future poor behaviors, which is the only way you're going to clean the game up as the players continue to get bigger, faster, stronger. Well, that's Burroughs. Burroughs has four suspensions now on his record, and he gets, what was it, four games for that hit on Emelyn? Mm-hmm. And they and Emily might get you know concussion symptoms in a month's time from that hit because we know how inconsistent everything is with the brain. And they've gone, oh, well, Emily came back into the game, so injury is not a factor in our decision to suspend him. That's why I don't like the idea of having injury be a factor. Zero to do with it, and we both agree. Exactly. So exactly. But we'll, we'll move on. We've got other stuff to talk about. All right, <laughs> Eastern Eastern Conference. Um, just taking a glance at it right now. You got the Canadians who are eight, two, and one, but they don't feel like top team in that division, uh, at least to me. Do they to you? No, they just seem to be just getting by, and that could be a sign of a really good team. The fact that they are on top of that division and they haven't played particularly fantastic. I mean, they've won three games via shootout, so maybe that's where it's small sample size that certainly yeah. will help. Yeah, but I, they don't really impress me, but they're winning. They're, so, you know. <laughs> goal, goal differential is even. So they've given up 29 goals, scored 29 scored. goals. So um, over the course of time, you're probably going to play close to 500 hockey and not be 8-2-1. and one. So um, if they can somehow play a little bit better and get the goal differential up, Playing at an even goal differential for, you know, eleven games and coming out eight two and one is pretty good if they can turn yeah. it around. Um, more impressive to me is Tampa winning the last three games, being seven and three, and their last ten while losing Victor Hedman. Yeah, that's that's the most impressive situation there there for me is the fact that they've lost Victor Hedman and, and whilst they did improve their their back six over the off season. It was probably one of the areas that everyone felt that they were um, a little short, um, and they've held up strong so far. So Bishop's doing his job back there, and and the the forwards are, are certainly helping them out. You know they've scored forty two goals, so they're, they're they're going for the let's just outscore them scenario. But um, they're winning, and I suppose that's all that matters. They have a plus ten goal differential, and that is by far the best in that division. 
next best is Detroit at plus five. So they're doing really good. If Detroit can stay healthy, that's just going to keep getting larger and larger, that goal differential. Um, I don't like the fact that they're healthy in regards to being a fan of an Eastern Conference team. Um, Detroit uh, uh, proving me wrong so far, and an injury here or there to any team in the league can certainly change that. But right now, with that suit back, they look fantastic. Yeah, and it was Datsuk and Zetterberg that combined forces to sink the Penguins late in that one game. Yeah, and they'll be doing it all year. That's the thing that's great. It's great having them on the ice. They're yeah, they're fun. They're, yeah, they are. It's, they're, they're a good team to watch Detroit. If you can get past the beautiful uh, interference that they are able to run. The Detroit the rub. And get away with it. Um, good on them. Uh, it's probably the only thing I don't like about watching Detroit is you see it and you go, come on, that's interference. Come on, that's interference. And they never get called. It's brilliant. Brilliantly coached, brilliantly uh, executed. They tote that but, line yeah, pretty good. They do it well. The only bad news on their front is Stephen Weiss' groin injury. Uh, that seems like sunken money yeah. at this point. Yep. They haven't it's got a... anything on that investment. He's a $4.9 million cap hit. And that will last. I mean, I, I suppose he's got time to turn it around, but including this year, one, two, three, four more years. Hey. Yeah. It's a bad, um, it's a bad house renovation. It's just something keeps going wrong every time it's almost fixed. So, we'll it's see. not good. And then you had mentioned Detroit, or I'm sorry, Boston before. Um, they're in a little bit of trouble here, from well, where I, from where I sit. Yeah. Okay. Why? Well, losing Chara and Boychuk doesn't help. Obviously, Chara will eventually be be back. Boychuk will not be. Um, they're just put it this way Joe Morrow who former Penguin prospect who just ha- has never been able to find his way through he he played his first NHL game the other day um, th- they're so thin on D right now I don't know I just it's one of those things with Boston if they can stay at 500 until Char is back I think they're going to make the playoffs and I, I think they'll Oh, I don't think the playoffs are in danger. I just looking at it from um, the perch they were on is the far and away powerhouse of the conference. I just don't. Yeah. I, even with Chara back, I just don't see them being that team anymore. No, that that loss of Boychuk hurt that particular status. I, I think you're right there, but um, I think they're they're well coached. They'll need to be, um, and they need Rask to earn every bit of that contract that he's on. So, you know, a lot of people say, well, what's going to happen to Tuka now that he's he's got his big guy gone for the next four to six? Well, we'll find out. If Tuka stands up and proves that he's worth every dollar of that contract, then away they go. They'll be fine. If he stumbles a little bit, um, then it might get a bit dicey. I don't expect him to stumble. I think Tuka will be fine. But if they can stay at 500 until Char gets back, they'll, they'll be fine for playoff seeding, let alone just making the playoffs, I think. So... If they, if they tail away substantially, there's no cap room there for them to do anything to change the team. So they'd have to ship someone out of note to, to make a change. So pressure will be on. And I think a team similar in that regard that's thin going through injury problems um, is Columbus. 
Um, yeah. they, they This may cost them a playoff uh, berth as they're four and seven. They're yeah. only they better could, than yeah. Carolina in the entire – they're only better than Carolina and Buffalo in the entire conference. That's not, they, where, that's because, not where you want to be. They could be out of the playoffs by the end of November. Um, but there's so many injuries there. It's really know, ridiculous. Not fair. Like it, it's, you know, as a fan of the Penguins who have had their fair share of injuries going through it, um, and you never want to see a team uh, fall down the standings due to injury. Poor play. Well, that's their own fault. But you just get there and go. It was so promising at the start of the year in regards to what it could do for the franchise and the and they, hockey. They and, still and can. Area. They just got to you know, tread water. Um, Boone Jenner's well, out. I mean, I guess who isn't out? Mark Letestu just went down for a few weeks. Felino had that scary neck injury. Um, Dubinsky's still out. I think Wisniewski's out now. <laughs> I mean, you're talking well, about Bobsky's, guys that are... Bobsky's out as well. Bob's I mean, out too? Yeah, the guy that could carry them. Oh, jeez. That, that's probably the big thing. The difference between, for me, with Columbus and the Rangers is that the Rangers have got some key players going down at the moment with McDonough being out for four weeks. But they've at least got Lundqvist. But they're getting and step Lundqvist. on back in the next few days, which is way ahead of schedule. Yeah, it, exactly. But, I mean, at least at least with um, Lundqvist back there, you know he can carry the team and at least you know win games on his own back. With... Bob being injured and in and out, it's like that was Columbus's sort of saving grace for being able to tread water and, and keep their head above water and then get healthy and, and then move up the standings. But it's tough. You know, they lost five in a row now. That's just it's going to be costly if that keeps going in that direction. But Brian Gibbons is up there to assist. My, my... Oh, you was waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, all for 750K. Yeah. Um, best team in the conference, Penguins? Yes? No? Yeah, yeah. I think they so haven't, too. Yeah, it's just it's tough. I mean, you get there, and you know, they play a, a broken down LA, and then they they play a broken down Buffalo. LA is not LA as we know it, but broken down yeah. LA is still deep and still a good okay I NHL team. Fully appreciate that, but to get back to back shutouts against a broken down LA and then a Buffalo. Sabres team that is doing a very good job of being bad. Um, you don't want to get too ahead of yourself if you're a Penguins fan. You've got to they take do have the best goal differential in the NHL, plus 19. Well, you also have the best power play in the NHL by an absolute country mile. I mean, that has to regress at some stage, but it's fun to watch while it's It will working. regress in the sense that they can't keep 40%, but it won't regress in, in the quality of it. They, they, they have it right, finally. They're using the entire zone. Bilesma's power plays was a lot of it was above the tops of the circles, just playing catch back and forth with not much going down low. And for those that saw the power play goal that Kunitz fed Hornquist against Buffalo, they moved that puck from up high to down low and back into that soft spot. Boom. And they got the PK guys moving around. Um, Got to really like what Rick Tockett's done with the power play there. I give him full marks. He, he understands um, what they need to do there lets the talent so, shine and lets the grit guys go to work in front. So your big question there for for the Penguins is: Do they get robbed by the officials' perception of well, I can't give a penalty there because they're just going to score on it, and then it means I affect the game? Refs are human, and I think they're 
certainly yeah. um not a conscious thing it's not a that's i'm not no, saying no, they go never out, never like, yeah borderline calls will stop going their way yep that's, because they that, don't want to be have a hand in the result of the game and particularly when you hit the playoffs so that's it's the other argument you've got. You've got a talented team that relies on speed that you get into situations where they, the officials don't want to make a suspect call. They lose the puck because, yeah. So that'll be their next challenge when it comes around to it will be how to deal with the fact they lose their power play goals because they have no power plays. Yeah, how they go even strength the scoring hasn't been terrific. No. Um, That's but, their next challenge. But Bo Bennett should be back in the next week. Robert Bortuzzo. I suppose you can argue you don't need to score even strength if you've got the power play all the you time. You do, though, if you want to be legit. You can't oh, you can't rely on special teams. Nope. And I guess the other thing I'll throw in there for Pittsburgh is they've killed 26 straight penalties, too. So special teams um, doing pretty great. Yeah. Um, oh, good luck to Oli Matter as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Um, he's He's got a good head on his shoulders. He was dealt a crummy hand with the cancer, or, well, we th- what we think is cancer, but... Um, outlook very good. It seems like it'll be a, a simple procedure and, and it will be like it never happened. So that's very good news. So um, this is a nice relief. So anything else from the anything else from the east that you want to no, go over? We'll segue the best team in the east to potentially the best team in the west, and they both happen to be playing each other this Tuesday. Minnesota Wild. Um, they have the second best goal differential in hockey at plus 17 and they'll be butting heads with Pittsburgh this Tuesday. So, um, they've come a long way. They, they used to play really terrible style of, of hockey under Jacques Lemaire years ago. And then Mike Yo did not, they, they were not playing a very interesting style with him, a lot of dump and chase. And they've really gone through a culture change there with how they view the game. And part of it, even their star players such as Zach Parise know about zone entries and, and how there's more shots on goal when you carry it across the blue line as opposed to dumping it in. So um, it's an organizational shift, and it's showing in their play. They're one of the best so, possession teams in hockey. So who do you tip your cap off to? To Mike Yo for understanding what his roster was at a certain point and playing a particular way, then once the roster improved enough to be able to play a bit more puck possession, he switched over and is reaping the benefits because Yo came from a uh, came from under the system of of Bilesma. That's you know where he was he was stolen from as a head coach. So I give Yo credit; he's managed to adjust and adapt because he's not playing the same sort of hockey now as they were two years ago when he started, or three years ago when he started. Yeah, I don't think you can point to one person, but I think they've kind of started to look at things and decided well. Let's try it this way. It hasn't been working the other way. And they, they've got good players to back it up with now. Yep. So, um, you know, it'll be fun to watch those two teams collide on Tuesday. Um, another team that we normally talk this way about is Los Angeles. And I believe they just lost. Yeah, they did. Today. Yeah. Against Carolina. Which means they're they're they've lost four straight. Um, the previous three games were without Kopitar, Gabrick, and Voinov, so you can kind of half understand that. But Kopitar and Gabrick were back tonight, and playing Carolina—that's um, not really something you expect to happen. No, but I don't think they're back healthy either, though. 
No, but it's Carolina. Which is all the more reason why not to play them. Well, yeah. That's, They're going to get bad results anyways. Well, it's the thing that I don't get. You get there, if they're going to give you a bad result because they're not quite right, sit them. You're playing Carolina. Technically, you should be able to beat them with that roster that LA have got. Don't play them. I know they've got cap issues and there's all those problems going around and all that sort of stuff. I, I fully appreciate that. But it's like now's not the time for LA to panic. Now's not the time oh, to no, rush Oh, no, they're to not panicking. Panic. It's just no, no, we're not used to seeing them. No. They're 6-5-2 and two right now. They're They're – Obviously, way better than that, but just strange to see. That's all. Actually, it's one of those. It's one of those things that I find. I sort of looked at this last night with the standings. I have a feeling that the Central Division is only going to get three teams into the playoffs because well, both the West divisions, divisions are good. So that could happen. I think the Central is deeper than the deeper than the Pacific, and I think that's what's going to burn teams four and five in the central is that they're going to play each other so often that they're going to balance out their points so far through that teams four and five in the Pacific are going to have more points than teams four and five in the central purely from the quality of competition because I think the central is better than the Pacific in regards to depth and that's what's going to burn that's what's going to burn the central teams. Yeah, but Vancouver so far is throwing a wrench in that. They're eight and three. They're sitting uh, second best yep. in the conference. That's that's what I mean. So you get there. You go, you've got Anaheim, Vancouver, and San Jose at the moment, a third in the Pacific. Calgary. Uh, can fourth. they keep that up? I don't know. I doubt uh, it. But thing, I don't. I don't think so either. But and, and that's what's going to happen is that Calgary, Edmonton, and Arizona are going to fall away, and I think Vancouver will fall away towards the end. But they'll have racked up enough points at the start of the year that all these poor central teams that are fighting against each other for places are going to miss out. I think a, a really good team in the in the central is going to miss the playoffs. Yeah, especially with Nashville doing what they're doing. Could that be Dallas? Yep. Boy, that would shock me, but it could happen. Well, it would shock me. It would also, it's one of those things where any team in that central division, if you get there and you go through a losing streak of five or plus once for the year, might be lights I, out. I think you miss. I think you miss. And that's purely because of the strength in that division. That's the problem of, of, of the way the divisional setup is, is that I think whoever misses, whoever has a long losing streak in that division, um, misses out on the playoffs. So you might have three teams that end up with long losing streaks in that division. They'll all miss. I don't care whether it's Minnesota, whether it's Chicago or St. Louis or Nashville. You get a five or plus loss through that division in a row and you're cactus. You're not going to make it up. Nope. So we'll see how it pans out as the year goes on. I agree. It'll be interesting to see. I, I think the West is fascinating. It is. So it's, it's a good year. Just yeah, so far so good. It's been really, really good. For, it's been good to watch. Um, it, it's so I'm... early in the year. I hate to. It's tough to just draw real, real strong conclusions. We can just kind of look at some of these yeah. trends and, and further investigate them as they go on, which is what we're going to do. So yeah, but it's been it's been it's been good fun. I mean, 
yeah, there are some games that, that haven't been great, but majority of the games have been fun, hockey to watch. It's been good. So, well, I think this week's going to be a short one. Yes. So, I think that about does it. Yeah, that'll do us, I think, for today. I mean, with the um, with the suspension stuff, flick through some comments. The more help I get from you guys in regards to filling in holes or clarifying stuff, the better it'll be next year. Because we'll stick with what we've got this year. There's no point changing it mid- midway through. But um, any help, appreciate it. Yeah, we obviously feedback. It's a, it's a new rubric that Cameron came up with. He did it from scratch. It's a lot of trial and error. I think it's pretty good, but we both agree that it's probably not perfect yet. Probably never will be. No. Um, but I think it's better than what the NHL does. So go to HockeyHerds.com. Check out his suspension articles, which are great. And um, we'll catch you next time. Catch you guys.